Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Taryn Temple, former KU track star and uh, working with Midco Sports Network here in Lawrence. We'll uh, catch up with her and uh, preview the Kansas Relay set to happen this weekend and uh, get all her insights and get to know Taryn coming up in uh, just a few minutes from right now. Thomas Bridges is here with me today. And, uh, TB, this is a very rare occasion that this happens. And uh, I know that it doesn't necessarily affect those listening to us because, you know, we're podcasting. You don't have a visual. But this is one of the very few times in the history of this show, Tom, that I'm doing this show while wearing a suit and tie and dress pants and all that. Not that I'm opposed to that by any means. Um, you know, I, I do enjoy wearing it the proper occasion. I just got back from the KU basketball banquet, but I do feel very out of place just doing this show and being dressed up. Like, I, I may need to loosen up a little bit as, as this show, you know, goes along. Maybe uh, maybe unbutton the shirt or something, you know, do you, you think I should go go with that, some, some sorts of, like that, maybe take the tie off or something, loosen up a bit? Just sit at the desk and take your pants off. Keep your boxers on. Keep the rest of it up. Just kind of like the ESPN commercial, uh, the Clayton. John Clayton. Yeah, just do that. Do that. Where that he's was, uh, that was one of the better ESPN commercials. We'll have to have a show. That's we, the you know this one. That's this the best ESPN commercial. Baseball. That's the best ESPN commercial. Is the one where he uh, he says, uh, "Your mom, I'm done with my segment," and uh, pulls out. His uh, braid and he's got the heavy metal uh, shirt on. That's my favorite. <laughs> is it? Uh, see, I think the uh, roll tide is mine. Well, you know, this summer when we just have baseball going on, we we really ought to think about just having one of those shows where it's just you know touch on just a bunch of different things, and we can even just break down the commercials. We still maybe, uh, list out the YouTube links. We still uh, have not done it. the uh, the food show that we've promised. The we folks. haven't. That's on the list too. We, I'm going to start making a list of when it's just baseball. I mean, we got a lot of things. We just had the Masters. We got the NBA playoffs. I mean, there's still a lot going on. We got the NFL draft coming up in not two weeks. Uh, so we got a lot going on. But as soon as it's just baseball, and I don't like to hate on baseball a whole lot, but let's be real, when it's just baseball, we need to schedule these shows out. Maybe even do a video segment, Tom and Ty in the kitchen or something where we just eat and drink to our heart's content. That sounds like a brilliant idea. If it, yeah, I mean, that just... If would, it involves food and alcohol, then I am in. Oh, I mean, we could we could get down on... I would be down uh, for some IPAs and some good summer food or, you know, grilling out. As long as we don't have to go to your... Your shed again, like we did when we first started this show. <laughs> the old shed days, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the better moments. Oh man, there's there's some video out there somewhere, I'm sure, that exists on the internet from the the old days at the uh, the shed. But yeah, we'll we'll figure something out, no doubt about that. But uh, just got back from that banquet, and then uh, this past weekend, it's been pretty crazy around here, Tom, for being the off season. Uh, I covered Les Miles's first spring game at KU. And to think that that was the spring game and the, all the excitement that came with that, I mean, d don't take this the wrong way, folks, but if Les Miles is involved, it's a circus. It's a, you know, it's, it's the Les Miles show. 
and then everyone else is just secondary. The you know Rick Ross showed up and performed, but it was the Les Miles show featuring Rick Ross is what it was. Uh, what a day it was, all about Les Miles and the attention this guy draws, the attention he's bringing in this Kansas program. It was something else. I tweeted out a video that uh, picked up some national media attention by Yahoo and Barstool and a few others of Les on stage with Rick Ross, and you know he's dancing like you know your grandpa, your old white grandpa would you would expect him to see, and it's just incredible. That's what he is, and there was over seventy recruits that showed up to the spring game. I mean, it's working. People are buying in, and. It's uh, it's quite the sight to see. I, I just don't know how to explain it, Tom. It's, uh, it, I, there has been more excitement in these you know three four months of covering Kansas football, Tom, than what I've seen in the last four years. The biggest day in uh, my time of covering KU football was when they beat Texas. That spring game was probably the second biggest day, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. It was just wild of what you know came with Les Miles and everything. You know, the, the Step Brothers video came out with him and Bill Self that day. Um, you know, just all the stuff that comes with that. Th- this man is uh, a very interesting animal to say the least. And I don't think he says no to the camera. You know, he, he did that Dosakis commercial a while back where he's uh, watering the grass with beer and it turns out he doesn't even drink. Uh, you know, he, he got struck by lightning in a Dr. Pepper commercial, and you know that was just a normal thing. He didn't even tell his family that uh, that had happened when they recorded that commercial. Uh, I mean, he is just an interesting fellow, and it has been a very uh, wild couple months. And once this season gets going, Tom, that's the other thing. We're we're still in April. When August rolls around, I expect this to even go up another notch, which is just crazy to think about because. Uh, fans are buying in. Attendance was good. A lot of recruits were there. And the honeymoon phase is uh, going to continue for a little bit longer for now. It seems like it. I mean, it seems like he just has a blast wherever he goes or whatever he does. I mean, it just – he seems like a very likable guy. And, and through all this uh, – and I, I know you're having fun uh, covering all this. I, I feel a little bad for David Beatty. Uh, I, I mean, I wonder, you said he's staying in Lawrence for a little bit. He's staying uh, in Lawrence, and he's still waiting for his uh, $3 million check. He's suing KU for it right now. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's a whole other story. I, so I imagine that he probably was not at the spring game. I don't think so. No. Now, I have to ask, how was the product on the field? It, it was just fine. The uh, offense put up 45 points, and they rushed for over 400 yards, even without Puka Williams, who is uh, be, who is suspended right now, and you know he's what? expected. Okay, to fill me in on that. I figured they'd keep him out to you know not injure him. They, uh, you know, he's suspended due to his uh, uh, domestic battery charge, and he's oh, going through right. a diversion program right now, and the charges will be dismissed if he completes that program. So then you're looking at, you know, somewhere between the one to three game suspension likely for Puka. He will play this year. He'll be a part of this roster. But yeah, the the running game was fantastic and didn't have your best running back involved. So uh, the offense is going to be run heavy. Um, they were running uh, mostly out of the shotgun. So that's a little bit different than what we've seen from Les Miles' offenses in the past, but still run heavy. 
the defense, yeah, they gave up 45 points. And that, that was the other thing about this, this spring game, Tom, was that they scored it. If you were the defense, you had to score by actually going out and scoring. They weren't giving out points to the defense just for turnovers or stops or whatnot. Um, they had to get a pick six, and they did. But quarterback play, McVitie appears to be the guy. Uh, he He's the uh, Juco transfer quarterback that came in. The, the defense, they got some holes to fill at the linebacker spots in the defensive line. But th- th- this roster, Tom, Les Miles said – it's as talented of any first-year roster that he's coached, whether it was his first year at LSU or his first year at Oklahoma State. He said it's as talented, uh, maybe even more talented, than any of those teams he saw in his first years at either of those two schools. Well, that's impressive to say the least. I mean, that's a good sign, obviously. Uh, if Les Miles is saying that, can you know, especially compared to any of his days at LSU, uh, okay, you might have a squad this year. Uh, I, I, to be, maybe a better way to put this is, give me your too early prediction on how many games KU wins this year, just from what you've seen thus far. Well, I think that you get a win. You get wins those first two weeks against Coastal Carolina and Indiana State. I don't. I don't have any worry. Even if Puka Williams doesn't play there, I don't have any concerns about those two games. So there's two wins there. Boston College, I would put as a loss right now. Boston College brings almost everybody back from their team that was a top 25 team for most of last year's. I don't think they win that one. But, is uh, that at BC? It is at BC. So okay. don't give them that there. And the Big 12 is going to be better than it was a season ago. And it wasn't bad last year by any means. I think that you have a league with 10 teams that have a legit shot at going to a bowl game. Uh, I think that this Kansas team, I agree with Les Miles, it has the roster to be a bowl game, but the problem is that you have such a tough league. It's like what we talk about, Tom, with the Big 12 in the uh, NCAA tournament, is that you have quality teams, but you don't have enough wins around for everybody to get into the big dance. You have the same problem as far as bowl games go, is where do the wins come from? Is KU better than K-State? You know, this upcoming year, yeah, they are, and the game's in Lawrence. So there's a third win, and then you got to find three more wins, and that's tough to find. You're gonna have to catch some luck along the way. You know, beat a team you're not supposed to beat. Maybe two of those teams. I think uh, realistically, Tom, with how tough this schedule is, I would put KU at four or five wins right now. But I'm not ruling out the possibility by any means that Les Miles can put his magic together and turn this team into a bowl team this year. Because if you look at last season, they won three games, and the games that they lost, you know, whether it was K State, uh, whether it was uh, you know some some of the others down the line, if you get David Beatty out of there and just have a competent coach, let alone a national championship coach in Les Miles, you 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 get a coach that actually knows how to manage a game, you win those games. You definitely beat K-State. You win a couple others. And so, you know, I remember asking myself, you know, during that K-State game, if Les Miles is coaching this game, do they win? Absolutely they do. And there's a couple games he probably does flip as well with that being said. So I think four or five wins is what I'm looking at for this Kansas team. 
but I wouldn't say it's impossible for this team not to get to a bowl game because this is a senior-heavy team. You have a coach that actually knows what he's doing in a system that appears to be more suited. Uh, run heavy, you know, time management is going to be key. Um, there's a real opportunity for this uh, first year for Les Miles and company, and they're changing the culture. This is not just about going out there and you know trying to just show up and make it happen. This is a cultural shift that he and Jeff Long are trying to push, and so far the uh, the culture aspect they're winning as far as that goes, based on what we've seen in the last couple of months on the field. We'll see. You know, that'll be another story. We'll find out in August and uh, September. But right now, their main focus, of, you know, winning and that culture is uh, so far been pretty successful. You know, it sounds like it. And, uh, you know, what you said or what you mentioned about, you know, Les Miles being a more competent coach than David Beatty and, uh, you know, being several situations last season for KU where if you have Les Miles over David Beatty, they could, you know, it could have flipped things. And it definitely could. And I, I think. We're on the same page. I was going to say five wins uh, and maybe be a game more generous than you. But, uh, hell, if if Les Miles pulls this off and gets KU into a bowl game and, and they come away with a bowl win, I mean, that's a lot uh, to say. And in, in his first year, like you said, it is kind of from the ground up, a culture change, if you will. Uh, if they go out and get six wins and a bowl game win, put them in seven, I, I mean – at this point, what Les Miles has done to get, you know, the city of Lawrence excited about KU football, or from what I've heard and from what I've seen, uh, maybe you put him in the coach of the year conversation. Well, uh, maybe I'm asking too much. I don't know if Les is a Hall of Famer quite yet, but if he turns around this program, even just to a bowl team, he'll secure his place in the Hall of Fame. Uh, no doubt so. about that. And by the way, Tom, uh, I mentioned that. Les said that this is as good of any team he's had in his first year at either place. At OSU, that was a four-win team. That was a really down year. Um, you know, they did beat Oklahoma, they did beat OU that year, who was the number four team in the country and spoiled their national championship hopes. Um, but you know, that was a four-win team he had in his first year at Oklahoma State. His first year at LSU, they lost in the SEC championship game to Georgia, and they won the Peach Bowl against Miami, forty to three. And went eleven and two, so that uh, that says a lot to compare this team to that team uh, from what Les Miles has seen to this point. Uh, Taryn Temple set to join us coming up here in uh, just a few minutes from right now. But first, um, the Masters. If we were in almost any other place, we probably would have opened up with the Masters. But that uh, that Rick Ross <laughs> and Les Miles scenario was uh, too good not to pass up. And I got to tell you, that uh, that was uh, outstanding. I I did not cry. I was not one of those that cried when Tiger won. I did yell and, you know, get excited, pump my fist up. I could not be more thrilled for Tiger Woods to see him win that Masters, to go through all that he's been through, three back injuries, you know, two different Achilles injuries, you know, he, he struggled in his personal life with the infidelity issues. He had the DUI that came up that actually really wasn't a DUI, but still had to deal with that. Everything that he's been through through this last decade and the mental side of it and everything, too. For him to come back when so many people said that he was never going to be the same player again, 
Uh, for guys like Colin Cowherd, who straight up called him a former golfer at one point in time, Jamel Hill, all these others that said he needs to retire with dignity and just go out now, he got the last laugh. And it's a great story. It is the greatest comeback story in the history of golf and one of the greatest comeback stories in all of sports. And I could not be more thrilled for Tiger. Golf is better with Tiger Woods. Love him or hate him, he makes it more exciting. He makes it more interesting. And I almost felt guilty, Tom, because I never cheer for somebody to lose, but I was just hoping and you know praying like, man, can Francisco Molinari you know, make a couple of mistakes here and there? You know, some of these guys like, this is Tiger's day. This is his moment. Get out of the way, guys. And sure enough, it worked out that way. I mean, it was just a beautiful day. Uh, I, I don't know how you could not enjoy that of what Tiger was able to put on display uh, this uh, this past weekend there in Augusta. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. And, and the scene where he was hugging his son uh, just kind of, you know, reminded you of, oh, you know, when his dad was uh, was still alive and, and won the Masters. And uh, for him to be able to share that moment with his son and, and, you know, his son being at an age where everything is impressionable, uh, and seeing his dad go through so many injuries, and I'm sure hearing about, you know, his his dad's past from, you know, all the wins all the way down until uh, <clears throat> all the, the controversy surrounding him with the DUI and, and the and then affair and uh, all the back surgeries, all the, you know, the Achilles injuries from the, from the fall to grace uh, all the way until this past Sunday. Uh, to be able to share that moment with his son, uh, I mean, it was a tearjerker if you're a crier. You know, I didn't tear up, per se, uh, but I was rooting for Tiger. I mean, it was awesome to see. Uh, it's just kind of like if, if Tony Hawk was to get back into skateboarding, seriously, and, and win one, or, you know, win a, a competition or a skate competition. I mean, it would be it would be similar to that. I mean, our age group grew up with, you know, playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater. We also grew up playing Tiger Woods PGA. It was watching uh, our childhood again. On and Sunday, it was, it was, and it was awesome to see. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't think. I uh, felt like we grew know, up. I, with Tiger. I, you, you picked Tiger. I, I didn't know if he had it in him, just because we know how crazy the Masters can be. Oh, uh, and but it was beautiful to watch. Speaking the of the pick him, just had it wrapped up. It, I mean, he had it wrapped up, and it, it was done. There were still, you know, people were still playing golf, and it was already kind of a, a done deal that Tiger had it in the bag. Speaking of uh, the pick him, Tom, uh, just real quick. Uh, you got the victory despite me having Tiger because Justin Rose missed the cut and my other four golfers all had good scores. But freaking Justin Rose had to miss the cut and screwed me over. And so you get the victory by stroke count even though I had Tiger. But uh, we'll carry on. I, I was very disappointed. So I owe Tom a, a lunch or dinner of some sorts uh, to pay off uh, after that. So thanks, Justin Rose, I shall uh, send you a bill that will be uh, on your uh, in your mailbox here pretty soon. Uh, thanks for that, Justin uh, Rose. As far as that goes, but anyways, uh, but as far as this goes, it, it was awesome to see, and and you could not not enjoy seeing uh, Tiger have his moment, and have his time up there on that stage. And will Tiger ever be as dominant as he once was? Absolutely not. No way. But what this does, Tom, is that Tiger is going to be a serious threat 
for every major championship for a while now. He's he's back in that sense. Is he back to being dominant? No, and he'll ne- he never will be. Golf is the deepest it's ever been in the history of the sport. There's so many good golfers right now. It's uh, even old Tiger couldn't dominate in today's game with as good as the golf is right now. It's just you know too competitive. Brooks Kepka, who has been in my opinion, the best golfer in the world the last two years. He didn't win, but he still played a heck of a tournament. He is, I think Brooks is still likely to get a major this year based on the way that he's been playing. I wouldn't put it past him, but there's so many guys that you can count on to contend every week. Tiger will not be the dominant player he once was, but he will be a contender, and he is a threat to do so. And I think that everything is back to play for Tiger. I think Jack's record is uh, still achievable. You know, he would need three majors to tie it, four to pass him. I think the all-time PGA wins record is still achievable. He would need about 30 more wins on the Big Woods. His career legacy, this story that he has been trying to put together, that so many people tried to shut down, at the end of the day, Tiger is has the pen in his hand and he gets to write the finish to his story. His legacy will uh, will be his. It's it's up to him to decide how this finishes. Oh, of course it is. And he's even, you know, he's chasing the, the major lead. And, and this is a whole new start. This is a fresh start for him. And, and what a beautiful way uh, for him to start that new start than winning the Masters. I mean, I don't want to overreact. I'm not, you know, it'd be like people saying Texas is back. Is Tiger back? Uh, kind of. Uh, in a way, and I'm not 100% dead set on saying that he's going to be, you know, back to glory in the same of his old days. Uh, but with the Masters win, it's got to boost his confidence a little bit. Uh, what you said about Brooks Kupka, I mean, he's been playing great. He was up in the standings uh, late Saturday and, and even on Sunday had a, had a great round, you know, had great rounds at the Masters. Uh, and even as boring uh, as Brooks Kupka can be uh, <laughs> as one of those types of players not flashy not there's not a whole big storyline around him uh you know you mentioned golf's deep and he's he's one of those people on that depth chart uh, per se but uh tiger just i you know for the rest of the season you know for the rest of the year i think everybody's going to be rooting him on uh to chase that that major lead and and to get it done again and it's so satisfying and like you said it's good for golf uh, i mean it's refreshing to see tiger back uh, I mean, you know, for all the people that have made jokes, for all the people who have called him a former golfer, uh, you know he's got to feel good walking away with that green jacket on. Absolutely. And I don't know how many people know this, Tom, but the way the Masters does it is you only get one jacket, and you're allowed to wear it for the year that you are the champion, and then it goes back to uh, the uh, the cabin there in Augusta. And so when Tiger said afterwards it still fits, he was referring to his original jacket that he wore when he won his first Masters back in 1997. That was the same jacket and it still fit him. He's in, in incredible shape. And this is a guy that was you know dealing with so much pain the last few years. Uh, it's a great story to see him in this circumstance and have a chance to win some, uh, some big things. I'll, I'll say this. For Tiger to officially be back, because like we've said, that the likelihood of him being dominant again is, uh, you know, like he was, 
is near zero. That's not going to happen. What I will say is for him to be officially back is, you know, to the fullest extent that, that possible is it's time to bring back the Tiger Woods PGA golf video game. That will be the moment. This generation of kids out there deserves to have Tiger and look up to Tiger and see how great of a golfer he is and just how exciting he is. They need to see and buy in, and we need to show them just how great Tiger is. I think that would be awesome, and sales, I think, would be through the roof. That, to me, I think would be the thing that would eclipse it it for me is uh, is bringing back the video game. We need Tiger PGA Tour back. We need Tiger Vision, all that. That was the greatest thing ever. Uh, I mean, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2003, Tom, is one of the top five video games of all time. Oh, of course. I mean, those games were awesome. And uh, I, still, I still have one on my old iPad. Uh, they had it out, and I used to play that game every single day. And, and my golfer on there is pretty, pretty darn good, so I might, I might fire it up uh, again and and go win a Masters uh, on the iPad, and uh, for you know for Tiger's sake. Right. the The Tiger Vision on that game was was so cool. Oh yeah, I mean, you got the putt preview going. Yeah, that was uh, that was money. I loved how with Tiger Vision. It was such a competitive advantage. Like, if somebody didn't have Tiger Vision, like, there was no way they were going to beat you. Yeah, exactly. And and it was always who got to pick Tiger. I mean, I, I if I can recall, I think two people could be Tiger. And, you know, some person would always call the Sunday Red. Uh, and it was a battle on who got what shirt. You know, just growing up, good memories about Tiger. And then just to see him, like we've talked about, see him win again. If they released another video game, uh, and, and switched out Rory for Tiger again. With the, you know, in the way Rory's been playing, maybe not the greatest. Uh, so maybe it's time for Tiger to make a comeback. Well, they uh, they cut off the video game. They did the Rory thing for a while, and now it's just not being made. Just, yeah, it's time to bring it back. I, I remember when Spieth was playing really well. They talked about you know bring you know get Spieth in there. Maybe it's time for a Jordan Spieth game and and now after Tiger won the Masters, I mean they just bring back the OG game. Well, here's the thing. All those guys are good golfers and I think Spieth and Rory, they're both good guys. We talked about this with Brooks, but none of them have the aurora and the excitement of Tiger Woods. And it's not just Tiger, the fans that, you know, cheer him on and I I, I look back when I went to the PGA Championship back in uh, August of last year, Tom, in uh, St. Louis. I have twice in my life been around, uh, you know, two people that had such a distinct aurora and crowd presence that everywhere they go, they just own that scene. And those two people are Tiger Woods and President Trump. I've seen President Trump speak, and it was the same exact thing. He just owned a room. There's nothing that he could do wrong that that crowd would not love him. That was the same way with Tiger Woods. It is a special thing. There is something different about Tiger Woods compared to everybody else, and I hope this next generation gets to see some more good golf from Tiger and get to experience what we got to experience for so many years and and do that again. Just give us a few of those more moments 
and go out on such a good note. Even if he doesn't break Jack's record, I want to see some more wins from Tiger before he before it's all said and done. Oh yeah, I mean we deserve it. Uh, Tiger deserves it. I mean, just from this comeback, we were robbed of a decade week. of golf from Tiger that he could have been doing stuff. Exactly, we we deserve this. Uh, golf deserves it. Uh, I mean, it's it's high time that we get the old Tiger back, and uh, we saw flashes of it uh, this past weekend. Hell, the whole weekend. I mean, you know, he was down a little bit at first, and came back and just had a hell of a two last days, uh, and, and made it work. And it was. Ah, it was so it was refreshing, really, is the term uh, I should use. Just from, you know, all the names that we see in the Masters that are, okay, who's this guy? Or, you know, we think, oh, well, he might, you know, never win a Masters again. Or uh, he might not be a big name in, in the rest of the year. Uh, for Tiger to win it, it's just, he, you know, you mentioned those people that can just control a room or control wherever they go, and they they don't essentially make it all about them. But it was all about Tiger, and, and usually when somebody makes it all about them, it's a bad thing. But in this case, uh, just from a nostalgia standpoint, it was awesome. Oh, it was uh, it was great. I, I don't know about you, Tom, but I, I could not help. But uh, you know, I mean, uh, it was Sunday was uh, was the ultimate sports boner moment. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's right up there with uh, for me for like Roger Federer. Uh, you know, winning like Wimbledon or, or a major, that's just, it's just, yes, finally. It's its kind of like seeing an old player, like even like if now, you know, everyone has their, their Vince Carter moments of, you know, thinking, oh, he's washed up now. But, hell, if Vince Carter has a good game, everyone's just like, yes, Vince Carter. Or even when Co- Kobe scored 60 um, in his final game, everyone thought, yes, you know, it's a last taste uh, of it, but when these older players or when these players who had a fall from grace come back and, and have a good outing, we just – something some about it just feels so right. We want to see the comeback story, and we want to see our stars go out on a high note, go out on top. I mean, even in NASCAR, Tom, a guy like Jimmy Johnson, who you know won seven titles, just dominated the sport, drove people crazy because he was winning so much – there's probably uh, the majority of fans in NASCAR that want to see Jimmy Johnson be competitive and maybe even win one more championship before he retires. He hasn't been racing nearly as well. He's fallen off a bit in the last two years. But even in that sport, people want to see that. We we just we're so we feel connected to these guys that we've seen forever that we want them to uh, have a good finish to to go out and look as good as they they can be. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things, like you said, it, even with the Jimmy Johnson trying to get one more, we always want to see our favorite players or favorite people get one more, get one more win or get one more championship. Uh, it, we, we even seen, you know, like the D-Wade or Dirk, just their final games or their send-off moments. We want to see one more. We Something feels right about that. Uh, and so for Tiger, he's not done yet. It's not like he said, this is my final Masters and then won it. Uh, he's still got all this time left. I, I mean, there's still time to see Tiger be good, and it's not like he's washed. It's not. It's this is not the end, which is awesome to think that we still have all this great golf left from Tiger. Hopefully, 
Think about uh, Peyton Manning, Tom. When when he won that Super Bowl before he retired, he was awful that year. He had, I believe, the worst passer rating in the league and was so bad. And, I mean, he was not a shade of himself. But still, how cool was that that he flipped a switch and did just enough and was able to rally his team to a Super Bowl victory? I mean, that was an incredible effort by Peyton Manning, and everybody loved it seeing Peyton Manning go out on top despite how poorly he had played that final season. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was that was bad. They won that Super Bowl on defense alone um, and got, you know, Sanders and Demaryius Thomas kind of was a bailout option for Peyton Manning's noodle arm. Uh, not even to mention Peyton going out like he did. Uh, even Jerome Bettis got to go out in Detroit um, in his hometown in Super Bowl for your Steelers, and that was really cool to see. Um, and and this is like I said, this isn't even the end for Tiger. Uh, in it, but it, at the same time, it feels like so many before we've watched go out on a high note. This isn't even the end. This isn't the last of it, uh, which is awesome to say, uh, because at the same time, we were sad for those players to retire. We were sad to see those players go, even though they went out on a high note. Uh, and we were happy to see Tiger win the Masters, and I'm happy now to think, hey, this isn't the end. Exactly. No doubt about that, for sure. We'll uh, talk NBA playoffs, also get to Tom Fullery and more coming up in just a bit. But before we do that, we welcome in Taryn Temple to the program. That's next here on the Jones Report. What this time, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the program from Midco Sports Network, also former KU track star. It is uh, Taryn Temple who joins us on the program right now. Taryn, such a big weekend with the uh, Kansas Relays, and you've done this a few times. Uh, is it going to be much different for you watching from the outside this time. It will be different, and the relays are super exciting. And the thing I loved about the relays is tradition. I mean, they have the pink jerseys, the pink and blue, which is dates back way back before I was born. And that's really cool that they have that. And also, it's one of the best meets that is going on at the time. It's always been a huge meet. This year, it's not a quad, and it also has the high schoolers competing at the same time, so a lot of excitement to go around. This has always been the uh, marquee track event, it, it, at least that uh, the crowd interest uh, is th- for this one, comparably speaking, much bigger than, than any other event KU hosts all year. And that's why it's so exciting for the athletes, is because the community really comes out, especially with the high schoolers competing at the same time. There's a huge crowd, and having a crowd just makes it more exciting for everyone, you know. And also, they have the food trucks out there, lots of different entertainment and excitement. And Olympians are coming back to compete in front of everyone. We have Andrea Gubell coming back, and Mason Finley, Kyle Clemens, he's won a gold medal. So there's a lot of things to watch, and a lot of really quality athletes to watch. And you know, no disrespect to the basketball team, they're amazing, and there's sure. a lot of great athletes. But if you look at the track team, they have more All-Americans every year than any other sport. And there's Olympians competing from the University of Kansas track team in the Olympics uh, almost every time. Yeah, and uh, you get uh, all sorts of uh, athletes coming out to you that, oh, from all over uh, for this event. What are some of the details? Uh, in, any of those names that we could see uh, showing up this weekend that, that you've heard besides the, the KU ones we know of? It's mostly KU athletes that are coming back in for that aren't competing and at the collegiate level. Some notable ones, Sid Conley, recent graduate, 
Her family, obviously, incredibly athletic. Her brother, NBA. Her dad was an incredible triple jumper. She's an incredible long jumper. It was I was lucky to be her teammate. Andrew Gubel, you know, she's in the Hall of Fame here. Sure. An Olympian, the most decorated Kansas athlete of all time. Um, Mason Finley, discus thrower, incredible athlete. Kyle Clemens, as I said, gold medalist. He's going to be amazing to watch. And crowd favorite, Michael Stigler. Always exciting to watch him run the hurdles. So really a, a, a big lineup of former KU athletes. And of course, recent recently finishing up her eligibility, Sharon Lokiti. She is amazing to watch. I've always said that she is the queen of the KU track team, so I know they're missing her, but it'll be exciting for her to be able to run on her home turf. Besides uh, the 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 triple jump of your sport, so let, let's take that out for the equation for a second. What is going to be the most exciting event, you think, uh, this weekend? It, what, what do you think is going to be the uh, the most interesting to watch? Man, it's hard to tell because there's so much excitement I wish they still did the shot put down on Mass Street, but pole vault down by Salty, Salty Iguana will be really exciting to watch. And, you know, Coach Hayes does a great job. The pole vaulters are always turning out great results and have great athletes. So that one will be huge to watch. I'm gonna just going to say the triple jump is going to be great to watch because that's obviously my personal favorite. And Andrew Gabell, I mean, she's a legend, so that'll be awesome to watch. But the favorite event at every track meet is the 4 by 4 And KU has a great 4 by 4 team, both men's and women's. And the fireworks go off at the end. And so that's really exciting. And I would say out of all of them, that will be the most exciting to watch. Yeah, no, I think you're right. That'll be great to see. And all these uh, terrific athletes coming out uh, over the years. And uh, hopefully weather cooperates so everything can uh, get done and, and uh, have uh, some good temps to go along with it. So that'd be great to see with this uh, Kansas Relays. Uh, looking back for you, what do you, what do you remember from your experience of uh, doing that the last uh, four years? Man, my personal memories from the Relays, it's it's always the most fun track me of the year and I, I loved getting to wear the pink jerseys that was always a lot of fun and I remember last year will probably be my most memorable meet of all of them and it wasn't because I competed at my very best but you know I looked up in the stands and I knew that this was my last meet and I looked up and I saw my family my best friends and they were all there to cheer me on for my last meet ever and that was something that I will always remember and just getting to wear Kansas across my chest and represent the school, and especially at that meet, was really, really special. That's awesome. That's uh, it's great to see, and, and and now you'll be you're watching from the other side and seeing how this uh, this plays out. Uh, are, are you going to be tempted not to jump in there? Did, did you think about maybe going in as a uh, undeclared, like some of these others? You know, some people have mentioned that to me about. Uh, the former athletes returning and competing, and I said, no way, Jose. I'm not going to go out there and compete against Andrew Gubel in the triple jump. My jumping days are over. I will love watching. I will love not having to worry about warming up and getting in that mindset. But I'll be on the other side, and there's also, uh, you know, there's an excitement on getting to interview people as well, and it'll be fun getting to talk to former teammates, and sure. that's something that I haven't got to do personally since I graduated, so I'm excited to do that. Now, now tell me this. You mentioned the pink jerseys. Is that just for the relays they do that? It is special just for the relays. However, I've noticed that in the last couple of years that some of the athletes that have made it to Oregon, made it to the NCAA championships, 
have worn them for that. I saw Sharon wore them uh, in the winter. So it, it's supposed to be just for the relays, but they get worn uh, for a couple other special meets, but only for the special ones. I wanted to keep that jersey so bad, but unfortunately I didn't get to. But KU did frame a nice jersey for me that my parents hung up in their home. Good, good. Glad glad they uh, took care of you there And as far as that goes. and uh, what, a, what a special event. And, and I would argue, Taryn, and, and you've been around KU enough you know, as a whole to know that you get away from football and basketball – this is probably the biggest non-football or basketball event of the year that KU hosts sports-wise uh, of all the turnout and all the you know talk about it. It's coming up, you know, it happens right after the uh, the end of basketball season and spring football. I mean, this is still uh, a great time to attract those fans that uh, may not not pay attention otherwise. You're absolutely right, and the weather's starting to warm up, so people are looking for an excuse to get out. In the nice weather, and especially with the other things associated with the relays, you know, the food trucks and the different events that are outside of the track. So people want to get out there and watch that. And track is something that's fun to watch because there's always something going on. You're never sure. bored watching track. There's no TV timeouts. There's nothing. It's There's always something going on. And especially at this meet, there's the best of the best competing. So it does draw a crowd different than any other sports uh, going on at the time. But not to knock any of the other sports going on because I mean the tennis the KU tennis team is ranked in the top 25 right now they're a really good team and they're they're exciting to watch as well and they have a new facility so there's a lot of exciting sports going on right now at the University of Kansas that aren't basketball and football no doubt about it uh, it's a very good time for the university uh led by jeff long and what he's doing with that athletic department as the whole as a whole tell me about these uh these coaches uh there with this uh, track program how how have they done and what, what are they uh, working with with uh, this year's squad well both teams men's and women's are ranked in the top 50 right now the men are just outside of the top 25 and, I mean, Coach Redwine knows what he's doing, and not long ago, I think people forget too soon that it wasn't, it was right before I got to the University of Kansas that the women's team won a national championship, and some of those some of those athletes are returning to compete this weekend. And that was something that had been a long time coming before KU was, uh, I mean, they were so good in the 70s and the 80s, but there was a real gap between then and 2013. And especially on the women's program, I mean, you look up at the, the banners hanging in Anschutz and that that one sticks out because there isn't another one for the women's team. And so that was really something big for the university and for the program. And since then, I think that's obviously helped with recruiting. And uh, Coach Redwine right now has one of the best recruited men's men's recruits coming in. And so that is also helpful. And obviously having Sharon someone like Sharon Lokiti on your team draws in a crowd as well. So they, they've got some really good athletes on the team right now. Obviously, uh, Tom Hayes, uh, pole vault, the not horizontal, the vertical jumps coach, does a really good job. Still has some young athletes that are already doing really well, and sophomore Kyle Rogers, freshman Zach Bradford, and then also senior on the women's side, Alexis Romero. Obviously, you can't talk about the KU team right now without mentioning Gleb Dubarev, hammer thrower, number one in the NCAA right now. 12th in the world, so he's extremely talented, extremely, extremely talented, and came to the University of Kansas speaking very little English, and he has just grown so much, and he is someone that, if you're going out to the relays, you definitely got to go watch him throw the hammer, because, because he is a world-class athlete.
Yeah, put put the hammer down. Uh, that, that'll be cool to see coming up this weekend at the Relays. Looking forward to it going on at a Rock Chalk Park this uh, this weekend. Uh, Taryn, uh, let's uh, transition uh, real quick. Uh, you're doing uh, some UFC, uh, doing, doing some uh, broadcasting there for the uh, UFC uh, Fight Pass in a couple of weeks. Tell us about that. What's going on there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited about it. It's the Invicta League. It's a Phoenix Rising um, event on May 3rd. And it is um, eight women, all straw weight, so that's 115 pounds, and um, the they are competing to become the straw weight champion, the Brazilian champion. She recently vacated the title to sign with UFC, and Invicta has a lot of athletes that go up to the UFC, and some that are competing in this Phoenix Rising event that have previously fought in the UFC. This will be my first time stepping into the octagon, which I'm so excited about. This is something I've always wanted to do. Uh, Laura Sanko, Jimmy Smith will be doing the play-by-play in color, and they are very familiar with the sport. Laura Sanko was a fighter herself, Jimmy Smith also, and so I'm a little bit of a rookie here, but I'm excited to get involved in that and to learn even more about the sport than I do already, and I think that's not something a lot of people know about me is how interested I am in mixed martial arts and I go and watch by myself at Buffalo Wild Wings all the time, all the UFC fights. So (laughs) this has been a long time in the making for me, and I'm really excited, and it's going to be a really exciting event, so I hope people show up. I hope people watch. I know for my parents, it's it's a little weird for them that this is my favorite sport because they don't like a lot of violence, and they sure. don't, they they might not necessarily watch the fights, but I think they're going to watch just to see me in my element. So I hope they get used to it because I'm hoping to do this for a while. So you like this more than uh, track and field? Yes. Uh, track and field actually is a little bit further down the list than you would think. I loved competing in track and field, but as far as just my favorite sports to watch, to to really study, I would say UFC, huge UFC fan, huge John Jones fan, huge Daniel Cormier fan, which they're kind of rivals, so you wouldn't necessarily say you're fans of them you, both. You, you might be one of the few people that enjoy both of those two. I mean, it's like you almost have to pick sides. It's almost like a, a, a KU and Mizzou type thing between well, those two. You're right, but John Jones obviously was suspended for a little bit, so... I I was fortunate enough to get to go watch Daniel Cormier, and he's such a good guy. He you you got to root for him. You know, people love John because he's kind of the the opposite of Daniel, and he has that you know that bad guy vibe about him. But I'm a Daniel fan too, and I want to see him succeed, just not against John Jones. <laughs> oh, all right, that, that that makes sense. But uh, looking forward to that. That's going to be on the uh, UFC Fight Pass. So not only your parents not. They're going to have to sit through a fight to be able to see you. They're going to have to pay to, to have to see you, too. They are going to have to pay <laughs> to do that. But, you know, they, they got ESPN Plus whenever I did the track meet. So they're going to do this for me, too. And hopefully that, you know, I'll be doing tons of stuff for this. So it, it won't be a waste of their money. I don't think they'll <laughs> think that if they get to see me. They don't get to see me too much. So I think they're going to enjoy that a lot. And my brother's a huge UFC fan, so he'll watch. And um. I'm I'm just really excited about this event. I think it'll draw a good crowd, and I think it's going to be exciting, obviously, for the athletes and for everyone watching. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Taryn Temple joining us here on the uh, program right now. Uh, let's uh, transition. Uh, KU Hoops, uh, we were at the banquet just uh, last night, and a, uh, a big night for KU basketball. Bill Self made it pretty clear he's not leaving. I don't... 
even think nobody actually thought he did. It was more so it felt like one of those things that I'm going to address this uh, just to you know clear any speculation whatsoever. Uh, I don't even think anybody realistically thought that was on the table, that Bill Self was actually going to leave KU, because it's never seemed like that that was you know even remotely close to happening. He's not even interviewed for any other position of some sorts. Yeah, I never thought that at all. I saw a couple things on Twitter, but what I was thinking was that th- those were more of clickbait, and people w- kind of wanted attention from that, saying Bill Self was leaving. Maybe but... a distraction <laughs> from other things going on? Yeah, so Jeff Long put that to rest yesterday, and Bill Self uh, echoed that as well. So, you know, KU fans don't have to worry about losing Coach Bill Self, which is nice because they're worried about losing a lot of players right now, so at least... Bill Self is stuck here at Kansas right now, and he seems happy to be here. Yeah, the, uh, the there's been a number of guys to declare for the NBA draft at this point, but with the way that the system works now of that you can declare for the draft and hire an agent even and pull out by May 20th, and then if you go undrafted, you can still come back to school. Uh, I mean, everybody at this rate should declare at this point in time. I mean, it doesn't really mean much uh, of guys that have declared. I mean, you you should go get evaluated if you can and get feedback on how your game is because ultimately you can use that to your advantage. We've seen guys in the past benefit from initially declaring and then going back to school because they found out what they needed to do to improve on their NBA game. And Bill Self talked about it after the banquet, and he didn't knock any of those guys for declaring and doing what they thought was best for themselves and their family. And he said that probably a lot of people think that the best recruiting he should do right now is here in Kansas with the players that are uh, think trying to decide if they're leaving or coming back. But he said he's not going to do that, and that you know he's going to let them do what's best for them. But he has his own opinions, and you know he joked a little bit and with Devon Dotson and Devon Dotson even talked about it after that he's supportive but he does he does joke around with him that he thinks he will make the right decision. Right. And and you know I, I thought that was fascinating to hear that Bill uh, says that he's not influencing their decisions that he's encouraging them to do what they want. That's uh there's a lot of confidence from uh from the head coach that uh he feels like that they're going to be just fine with the the roster whatever they put together next year. I mean, I think that's that's confidence in the program and the history that he's built. Sure. He knows that he can do a lot with the diff- with a lot of different players and when you have the the history that Bill Self has, you're probably not too stressed about getting people to come to the University of Kansas to play basketball. Right. Even with the Adidas stuff going on, there's not a five-star commitment at the moment of this recruiting class. There's still belief that everything's going to work out just fine. And, uh, I mean, what I still find intriguing, though, is that uh, you could have guys you know, wanting to come back, but then also your scholarship's already filled because you're trying to get those numbers, you know, those are going to be taken care of. The players you bring in scholarship-wise from recruiting are more than likely going to be done by the time these guys are ready to come back to school. That's a tough dilemma to figure out there. It is a little bit hard to to look through that and work through that, but Bill Self mentioned that you know the players that are declaring and kind of leaving their options open, they understand that they're going to be looking for a replacement for them if they're declaring. So that'll be something that's interesting to see. And I think that was another reason that 
Jeff Long and Bill Self wanted to clear up that he wasn't leaving because I'm sure that it has negatively affected their recruitment process right now. And they're looking for replacements of some of these players that are leaving. And if they're deciding between two schools and they think Bill Self is not going to be at the University of Kansas, I'm sure that will influence them one way or the other. So I, I, I'm sure that was tactical that they wanted to get that out as well. And, you know, just this week, they also have Matthew Hurt. Um, McDonald's All-American, he decides on Friday. So that's going to be someone that KU is looking to hopefully fill one of those positions of one of the guys that is leaving. But I have heard online that he might be leaning towards Duke. He closes recruitment early. So that'll be interesting to see. But that gets announced on Friday. So that a lot of things will start getting cleared up here pretty soon for who's who's leaving. Obviously, by Sunday, Silvio uh, Sosa and Udoka, they have to decide um, by that deadline, so that'll be interesting to see that as well. No doubt, no doubt about that. Uh, finding you know what what exactly is going to work out with this team and and going forward in next year. I know that you know with this Adidas stuff lingering and with you know coming off their worst season in quite some time. At the end of the day, I don't know how you feel, Terry. I, I think this team's going to be just fine. I mean, yes, the league is going to be tougher. Texas Tech's not going away as long as Chris Beard's there. Uh, you know, mo- the Big Twelve should be a tougher league next year, but. Uh, I mean, Bill Self is, you know, part of the problem this year was you had guys that just weren't healthy. If you have a healthy roster, that team should compete for a Big 12 title and you know, make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. I, I don't really have any, I, I'm kind of thinking what Bill Self is, that I don't really have any worries about next year of what they can put together if, uh, I mean, in just a couple things go their way, they'll be just fine. Yeah, I don't think right now is at all a time for Kansas fans to need to panic. I mean... An off year for Kansas is 10 losses, and that's without some of their key players. And I, I, I'm going to trust Bill Self in this, that he's going to do what's needed to be done for the team. And I think the players are also going to trust Bill Self. So if the players are trusting Bill Self, if the coaches are trusting Bill Self, then the fans should probably trust Bill Self as well. Probably so. When the down year is a four-seed 26 wins, comparably speaking, when North Carolina and UNC missed the tournament in their down years. Not too bad. Not too shabby uh, as far as that goes. Uh, Taryn, let's uh, talk football now. That uh, that spring game, that was uh, that was something. It was. It was. <laughs> I mean, it felt a little long to me, I will say, but it was, you know, it was cold. But I thought there was a really good turnout from... Yes. Uh, from the the Kansas fans and I mean I know a lot of people that came in town just for this spring game uh, alumni that came back in to watch this team and I will say the buzz around the team seems bigger than any time that I was in school obviously Rick Ross coming that drew some excitement as well but in general the the buzz around the team seems bigger than any of the years that I've been here and I think that's partly because Les Miles is also kind of a personality. You know, he's done some different pro- promotional videos. He's been really good with the media, I will say. And so people are really interested to see what he's going to do. And, you know, I talk to the players each week at the media availability, and they all seem super excited about him as well. And the locker room seems to be rallying around uh, Coach Les Miles. So it'll be interesting to see how they do in the coming years. The question that, you know, I think a lot of people have and – people don't understand that aren't actually athletes is it's not just a switch. You don't just get a new coach and you automatically have a whole brand new team 
and it's all better you go to a bowl game the next right. year. You know, there's a process that goes into that, and you have to think how long does it actually take to turn to turn a program around. So that's I think the question that's on everyone's minds. But I wouldn't, as a Kansas. Kansas fans, I wouldn't expect it to be an immediate turnaround. It's going to take a little bit of time, but if someone's going to do it, I could see Coach Les Miles being the one to do it. Patience is a virtue, as they say. And, and when I look at Les, the you know excitement right now with with Puka Williams, you know, still being suspended at the moment. This is the Les Miles show at the moment. This is all about him, and he is doing a ter- terrific job of you know preaching you know culture and trying to turn that around. Within the last four months, you mentioned the excitement level right now, the way that there's interest. People, you know, we're talking about you know Kansas football in April right now, which was you know something we never did previously. Uh, that's that's a 180 from this time a year ago. I mean that, that culture is so far to this point it's working. And we still have, uh, you know, four or five months till the regular season even gets here. And there are some experienced players returning. And, you know, you saw the spring game, the the running game really shined. Dom Williams, Khalil Herbert, they played really well. And KU also has these new facilities that are bringing in new excitement. I mean, it's just a it could be the perfect storm of things to kind of give them that boost they need to get over this hump get over, get into, you know, a few more wins in the season. I don't think it's going to be a drastic change, but I could see there being, you know, trickling in a few more wins and maybe winning some of those close ones that they couldn't quite win in previous years. And, you know, Coach Les Miles said that he was surprised a little bit about how talented the team, he thought they were more talented than he had expected. He said that uh, this week, and obviously quarterback is always up in the air, but right now I think that, and Les Miles said that if there was a front runner at all, that it would be leaning towards Thomas McVitie. And he's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm He's tall. He's a big guy. He can throw the ball pretty well from what I've seen. So also Carter Stanley's still in the mix there. And so that'll be interesting to see where that turns out and how they develop over the summer. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no question about that. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, the the fact that Les said that this roster was as talented as a first year roster of anywhere he's coached I mean, that, that that says a lot. You look at that Oklahoma State team his first year; they weren't great. They won f- only four games, but they did beat Oklahoma, who's the number four team in the country. The other team was an LSU team that won eleven games and went to the SEC title game and uh, ended up uh, winning the Peach Bowl that year. I mean, that's. Comparably speaking, just to say that about Kansas football, to say it's comparable to those two, uh, e- even if he's drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too much, just that the fact those words are coming out means something. For him to give that compliment is definitely a high praise to the team. And you never really know what's going on behind closed doors. We only get a taste of what's going on inside the KU football program right now. But what we do know about Coach Les Miles is that he has coached the best. He has coached right. some very talented team. I mean, he's he's coached Odell Beckham Jr. He's he's coached some very good players and tell you that on some very good team. Yeah, you saw that in the that promo, <laughs> that cool promo with him and Bill Self. So, you know, it'd be awesome if KU could really get things turned around and be not just a basketball school and be a football school as well. I mean, it's proven to be a track school in previous years, but you know, obviously the the basketball and football is what's going to draw the most attention. So, for me coming into college, I just football was my favorite sport, and it, it would be awesome to see the community rally around this football team right now because that could make just as big of a difference as anything.
Yeah, no, no question. Uh, that, that's a great point. You know that uh, that culture that they're preaching. You know that that part of that is the fans and, and doing their part as well. And once this honeymoon stage comes to an end, when there is you know losses in the loss column, that will happen. It's going to be intriguing to see what the reaction will be, uh, how long the fans will give Les Miles to, to work out this out, because it's going to take time. There are going to be some bumps in the road along the way uh, at some point in time. Uh, a couple more things, and we'll let your run, Terrence. So, so you told me before you went on air that that uh, that you're a big fan of the Amtrak. You're taking this back home for Easter. Oh man, yeah. Everyone makes fun of me because you know my small. I'm town... not making fun of you. I, I find this fascinating, actually. I mean, I'm just a small town girl, Tyler. So I'm from the middle of nowhere, <laughs> and it's a long drive. It's a long drive for me to get home. It's about six hours from my place in Overland Park. So. I like to take the train. And where are you going to? Where are you from? Garden City, Kansas. That is the place of beauty down there in western Kansas. Not a lot of people have been, but if you're looking for a nice des- uh, destination vacation soon, <laughs> I would highly recommend it. But in all serious, you know, I love it there. And I love taking the train home, getting to see my family. And the first thing people say when they go out there is, oh, it smells so bad because, you know, the cattle and the ethanol plant and so but I, what i always say to them is it smells like money to me so uh it's there's a special it's it's special out there you gotta if you didn't grow up there you never want to go there but i love getting to go home so i'm excited to hop on that train late saturday night after the relays and get to be home with my family on easter oh that's great that's great uh getting the train to the garden city and and I would be curious, is, is is almost everybody on that train just going to Denver? Are you one of the very few getting off in Garden City? Uh, you know, there's there's a few people getting off at each stop, but I've seen people going all the way to L.A. on that train. There's a little bit of everything, and, you know, it's always, I get on at, like, midnight. I'm exhausted, right. and I just go straight to sleep, so I don't get to meet too many people <laughs> on the train. I will say, the only, yeah, the only people I meet are the, the conductors or the people... <laughs> In letting me on the train so but you know i always pretend that i'm just going to hogwarts on on the train so <laughs> it, it's good fun for me i just get a nice rest and wake up and my parents and my dog come pick me up from the train station and i'm back in the middle of nowhere just like i never left that's great that is uh that's fantastic taryn uh, we're out of time working uh People uh, follow your work, do stuff with Midco, and then uh, that fight coming up. Plug that, uh, if you will, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the relays this weekend, you, I will be there, and you can see all the recap of that. It's unfortunate they can't do really a live stream of it because it's with the high schoolers, so that creates issues there. So on Monday, 6 p.m., Midco Sports Network. Uh, tune in uh, to watch Midco Sports tonight. You get to see me. You get to see Kevin Romery, the star. Uh, no one wants to watch Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin's a great mentor, and he's a lot of fun to learn from, and the Lawrence community loves Kevin. So check that out. And then obviously May 3rd, UFC Fight Pass for uh, the Invicta Phoenix Rising event. Super excited for that. So kind of to keep in, keep on track with me, that's that's what's where you can find both of those things. Awesome stuff. Taryn, appreciate the time. Follow her uh, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, at Taryn Temple. She's doing great work, and uh, appreciate the time. We'll talk again soon. All right, thanks. Big thanks to Taryn Temple for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. And, uh, Tom, let's uh, talk some NBA playoffs now. Boogie Cousins is out for the postseason after suffering an injury 
unfortunate for him to have another season-ending injury. And uh, you imagine that uh, his value is going to go down uh, when his, you know, when it comes the off-season uh, free agency. And uh, he lost out in a lot of cash last year. That's how he ended up in uh, Oakland with the uh, Warriors. And uh, who knows, maybe the same case will happen now with him. But in the meantime, Golden State, without him, they've been here before. It's not as if they haven't won a championship without DeMarcus Cousins, but he is certainly uh, was going to be a key piece, key contributor for them to secure their third straight championship. Now he's not in the picture. Tom, based on what we've seen with the Clippers already pulling off the biggest comeback in NBA playoff history, defeating uh, Golden State the other night after being down 31 points with losing Boogie Cousins, is Golden State still the team to beat? If you had to take them or the field right now, who are you taking in this uh, NBA postseason? You like the other 15 teams, or are you going with Golden State if you had to choose between the two as of right now? You know, I don't think you can count out the champs um, just at the rate that they're going right now. I mean, I know that the Clippers came back, uh, but that is a Doc Rivers coach team. Um, still impressive. That's the biggest comeback in NBA history. Clippers aren't uh, winning that series. No, well, no, of course not. So if one game drop, you know, that's okay. But uh, Golden State, they, they're a team that kind of sharpens up as they go along. Um, so maybe the first series, maybe, I, I still think at this point, it probably goes five. Uh, but right now, uh, Clippers have home court um, until probably the next game. Um, so, you know, I'm not too worried about the Golden State Warriors. Uh at this point, they get they'll probably get the Rockets in the second round. That'll be a fun series. Uh, if you're not a Golden State or Rockets fan, um, hopefully they just kill each other for the sake of either the Spurs, Nuggets, or the Thunder Blazers. Um, but let's be real, it's Golden State's to lose. I think so. Uh, Golden State showed some uh, vulnerability last year, Tom. But the Western Conference is not as good as it was last year. That Houston team, although Houston has played much better in the second half of the season, they're not the same team that they were a year ago at this point. So uh, I, I don't think that Houston is as big as a threat as they once were. Oklahoma City is so inconsistent, unreliable uh, this past season. I mean, are they capable of going out there to win the championship? If Oklahoma City's playing their best, absolutely they're certainly capable. But I don't know what Oklahoma City team is going to show up on any given night. The, the only consistency with OKC has been inconsistency. I'm not putting my money on Denver by any means. I mean, uh, it, it's almost like you have to pick Golden State by default just because that you know they're the most proven team that they've done this time and time again. Uh, they're still the most talented team, and as much as there's you know there's some good teams in the West, but it. There's just not one team that it it feels like is ready to take that away from them yet. It, it was like Cleveland the last couple of years, where was Cleveland vulnerable? Absolutely, they were. Uh, they weren't. You know, they fell off compared to their championship year, but still, no one was ready to take down Cleveland yet. And I think you got the same kind of problem there with Golden State right now. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said before, it's theirs to lose. It's uh, like you mentioned Houston's not the same team, and, and they're really not. I mean, they're still just as good, and, and Harden's playing still out of his mind. Um, you mentioned OKC. 
it's hard to guess what kind of team they're going to be on any given night. Um, right now, you know, as we're talking, they're up by five against Portland, but that could change relatively quickly. It is still the second quarter as we're talking, but um, you just don't know. And, and even if the Blazers do come away and win this series, they're without Nurkic. Uh, so that was kind of why everybody was counting out the Blazers in the first uh, in the first place, but they won game one. Uh, Spurs Nuggets, uh, Spurs, they're experienced, but don't necessarily have the talent to do it. Uh, and the Nuggets... They, I would probably go to say that they're the most inexperienced playoff as far as player to player. Uh, besides Paul Millsap, they're the most exper- inexperienced team uh, in the playoffs. Um, so it's just hard to imagine that Golden State wouldn't win. Like you said, we, you almost just have to pick them at this point uh, because all the other teams are kind of up in the air. Right. Uh, it's a lot of unknowns with everybody else that – uh, Golden State is still the mark of consistency, the third of the team to uh, watch for there, uh, no doubt about that, uh, just because no one else is ready, it appears, uh, for that big stage yet to take down Golden State. It, it's going to be tough to uh, go through them. And I, I feel like, Tom, that we still have not seen the best of the Golden State Warriors. That, you know, here we are in the postseason. It, it seems like this team has is still holding something back and it seemed that way up until the NBA Finals last year, until they turned it on and went up another notch when they ended up sweeping the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, uh, the the way Golden State's playing right now, now that you lose Boogie, it's going to take some time to adjust accordingly and you know get used to playing without him. But I mean, they, they could still you know lollygag their way into the Western Conference Finals and then kick it to another gear and win the NBA championship here. I mean, their best basketball could still be ahead of this team uh, as of right now. Yeah, for sure. And it's not like they have to even necessarily try hard. It was kind of like, what, was it last season or the year before where uh, they just kind of weren't focused on the regular season. And they just kind of, you know, I think it was last season, uh, they just kind of walked into the playoffs and, and, then they, you know, they had the talent to just turn it on whenever they wanted and end up sweeping the Cavs. Uh, and it's kind of that way this year. They didn't even need Boogie Cousins. And, and to be even fair, in the in the regular season, he didn't make, in my mind, that much of a difference. Um, so, yeah, it would be nice to have him. Uh, but at the same time, they'll gel together in this Clippers series. Uh, I mean, I, it would. I wonder what the chances are that the Clippers could even win this. Uh, and then kind of prepare for either Houston or the Utah Jazz. Uh, at this point, it does look like it might be the Rockets, but it's nothing that Golden State hasn't faced before. Uh, they're pretty familiar with James Harden and crew, so uh, they're one of those teams that can just kind of turn it on whenever they want, and it's it's kind of super unfair to every other fan base to see that. It's kind of annoying because you're like, man. No, very much so. You're like, our, our, our team's playing good. They got all this stuff going together. You know, this is our year. And then they kick it in gear. They they go to another level. I mean, it's it's uh, it's fool's gold essentially. You think you got something going right, and then you see that hey, Golden State can turn on the right time. And so uh, maybe that thirty-one point comeback loss to the Clippers was the wake-up call they needed. Uh, that very well could be the case, but uh, we'll see as far as that goes. Who is the biggest threat to Golden State in the Western Conference? Then, if you had to give me one team, who's the most likely team? to win the West, not named the Golden State Warriors uh, as of right now, Tom? 
I mean, as bad as it sounds, uh, and we're only halfway through game twos, I think it's got to be the Houston Rockets. Uh, I mean, it would be something to, to see uh, Houston knock out Golden State in the second round. Um, I'm not too confident in that, but at the same time, if it, even if it's OKC uh, or the Nuggets uh, in the Western Conference Finals, I, I, I don't see Oklahoma City being consistent enough, and I don't see the Nuggets having enough experience uh, and not getting home court against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you know, Denver's a tough place to play, not only because uh, it's, a, you know, not your home, but also because of the altitude. Um, so, uh, the, I'm sorry, the Denver Nuggets wouldn't have home court in that series if it does come down to the one versus two. Um, and I, I just can't see Golden State losing a series um, to the Nuggets, uh, and or even at this point, the Thunder. Um, so I, I think by default it has to be the Houston Rockets. The uh, Thunder, we, we mentioned that uh, this group is so inconsistent, so confusing. This is a big year for Billy Donovan, and you know, I mean it, it's very well documented that Thomas and I are not fans of Billy Donovan by any means. And I mean, I, I felt like that he's a big reason why this team has underachieved so much the last several years. If they do not make it to the Western Conference Finals, if uh, it doesn't even matter if they win this, you know, first playoff series against Portland. If they do not make it to the Western Conference Finals, he's got to go, right? This has got to be it. What's it going to take to get this man fired for them to finally pull the plug on uh, on Billy Donovan? I, if they don't get to the Western Conference Finals, he's he's got to go, right? You know, if, if they end up losing the series to the, to the Trailblazers, uh, he's done. Uh, even if they make the second round and, you know, maybe if they poop the bed against either the Spurs or the Nuggets even, I would think maybe if the Western Conference Finals comes down to it and they don't beat the Warriors, I think he probably stays. Um, but at this rate, I mean, it's, you know, they're not winning by very much right now as we're recording this. But uh, I don't think anybody thought that Portland would come out and win the first game. Maybe we kind of overreacted uh, in the fact how big of a factor Nurkic actually is. I thought they would not. because Paul George uh, – was still suffering from that injury. He wasn't 100%. No, and I don't know if he's still 100%. I mean, he looks like he's doing pretty good tonight, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, Billy Donovan, he's just not going to get you there. It's just, you know, like driving a car across country and only getting you halfway there, and then you're having to call an Uber to get you to the hotel. I I don't know what kind of comparison that was, but he only can get you halfway there. He can't. He can't get you. I mean, he can't get the deal done. And 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 after a while, you know, they're going to recognize that if they haven't already. Um, Billy Donovan is just not that guy. I mean, hell, they they fired Dwayne Casey for less <laughs> than they would fire Billy Donovan for. Um, and look at you know Toronto's back up and and blew away the Magic tonight. So um, I think if they lose this series to the Trailblazers, I think he goes and. Maybe uh, maybe Oklahoma City goes the way of the Arizona Cardinals uh, hiring a college coach. Maybe they call Chris Beard. He's not too far. Go get another college coach because it worked out so well with a college coach and Billy Donovan. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, who else would they get right now off the top? Off the top? Off the top. Um, got hired. Not that I think he would be the right man for the job, but 
I'm trying to go through my mind who they would get. What about Ty Lue? I think he's going to the Lakers. I mean, you could say uh, Fisdell, he went to the Knicks, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, take that for data. Um, at this point, I mean, there's probably still a lot of hiring and firing that we haven't saw, you know, that hasn't been done. And maybe we're just talking too early about Billy Donovan, but I feel like this is an issue that has went on for the past couple of seasons that if Oklahoma City wants to, you know, stay competitive or keep on the same track of, of you know, getting a championship or continually being a threat, um, first off, they have to look at Steven Adams' contract, four years, $100 million. Uh, and then they have to look at Billy Donovan uh, because, to be fair, Steven Adams should be feasting down low uh, in this series, or that's kind of the idea. Um, and Billy Donovan, I'm not sure, you know, knows how to – handle big star names yeah uh, i agree with you 110 percent uh i mean he i think it's the biggest issue with oklahoma city right now is uh, billy donovan and i mean they let canter go off for like a, a 2020 shouldn't they know like, everything about scouting uh canter as well like that should not happen under any no. circumstance and, Did, and that's not a knock on Ennis canter as he makes another and one uh, that's not a that's not a knock on him by any means. Um, it's just not. I mean, Ennis Cantor is one of my favorite players. Uh, he was one of my favorites in in Oklahoma City, and and he's pretty good offensively. But there's no way you should let Ennis Cantor, of all people, in in place of uh, Nurkic, get 28 points, 20 rebounds, and seven of those rebounds being offensive on the glass. I mean, he couldn't even get he, on the floor for the Knicks, and now he's exactly. a pivotal part of. Portland's offense where they stand right now. So, yeah, big uh, playoffs ahead for uh, Billy Donovan and uh, his future. UCLA was waiting so long with their coaching search. You know, it took them forever to find somebody. They, they might as well just went ahead and waited another two weeks, and Billy Donovan could have been all theirs at UCLA. And, uh, I mean, he, I'm sure he would have – because if Billy Donovan, I don't think – if he gets canned – he will never coach in the NBA again. I don't think anybody's going to take a shot on that after the disappointment no. that he's been uh, there in Oklahoma City as far as that goes. Uh, Eastern Conference, real quick, Tom. That is wide open. Uh, who is the team to beat in the Eastern Conference? I don't know if there is a single team. It seems like there's a few teams coming out of the East and uh, getting to the uh, NBA Finals. I mean, the Bucks looked really good. I mean, I don't think you can say – a whole lot of bad about that team. Uh, I mean, they look solid from the top down. Uh, Toronto tonight, Kawhi Leonard keeps it up, 37 points, 71% shooting, as much as that pains me to say as a Spurs fan. Um, right now, you would think those two, the Celtics at first looked vulnerable against the Pacers, ended up winning that game. Um, Philadelphia, I don't think it's their year yet. I, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I love Brett Brown as a coach there. Uh, he's turned it around, um, and they beat the Nets. That series tied at 1-1, but not sure if they can pull it off, not sure if they have the experience needed. Uh, for sure, Brett Brown has the playoff experience being a Spurs product, but uh, at this point, I, I think it really comes down to, you know, the one and two. I think it comes down to the Bucks rafters and I would not be surprised if we saw that matchup come Eastern Conference final time. Yeah, I could see that. I, I still would not count out 
the uh, Celtics either, Tom. That that's a very talented team that's, that's been trying to. Team. Brad Stevens knows. Say that again. I mean, it's a, like you say, yeah, I agree. I'm sorry to interrupt you there. It's a well-coached team. I mean, it's Brad Stevens' team. He knows. Yeah, that's a. I think the Celtics are certainly not out of it by any means. They they might be the most talented team left in the Eastern Conference. They just haven't developed the chemistry and learned to play together. Uh, as far as that goes, if I had to choose one, though, Tom, I think. I would go with Toronto, and I know you've been high on Toronto all year. The way that they have played down the stretch and the offensive numbers that they have put up, as well as playing very good defense, uh, that group is uh, very good. I I will say, though, that, Tom, if the Golden State Warriors don't win the NBA championship, it's going to be a team from the West still winning the championship, I think, because – that would mean that somebody, you know, in in order to get in their way, I, I think that a Western team is going to be the one to beat Golden State if it happens. And then not to mention why they would win the championship. If you've gone through Golden State, you're pro- you're going to win it all. And I don't think any of those Eastern Conference teams are uh, as capable to the level of the Western Conference teams. As much as we dogged on the West being down this year, I would still give – Houston and Oklahoma City and, you know, Utah, you know, Denver, whatever. I like that group better than I do that Eastern Conference group of possibly taking down Golden State. I don't like Golden State. I I think Golden State is going to get through anyway, but the more likely scenario of them possibly being defeated is going to be by a Western Conference team, I think. Yeah, I mean, if Golden State gets to the finals, it's a wrap, Uh, as, as that pains me to say. Um, because I'm so ready for that era to be over, uh, as well as anybody else who's not a Golden State fan, uh, is kind of ready for that to be done. Uh, but you mentioned the Toronto Raptors. I mean, just look at look at who they have. I mean, look at the starting five. You got Marcus Saul, uh, super experienced in the playoffs, grit and grind type of guy, uh, super experienced, knows the ins and outs, some of the best footwork in the league. Kawhi Leonard, Finals MVP, has the experience. Danny Green. Should have been a Finals MVP. Has the experience. Kyle Lowry, pretty damn good. Uh, Pascal Seacom, if I'm saying that right, I'm pretty sure it's Seacom. Um, coming out of nowhere this year, maybe one of the most improved players, maybe one of the biggest surprises. Uh, pains me to say that he should have been traded in the, and we should have just let them keep Jakob Pertl and we should have got Seacom, but um, that's how the cookie crumbles there. But, I mean, that starting five, that's that's pretty tough. That's pretty experienced. I think that if it's not the Bucks, I think it's got to be the uh, – I think it's got to be Toronto. Um, I mean, they've just been playing too good. You know, they, they lost uh, to Orlando in that game one, which was kind of a shocker, but it's kind of a live and die by the dagger. Um, and, and that one went in, and they're not always going to go in, and they kind of showed that tonight. Uh, Kyle Lowry didn't have any points in that first game. Tonight, I believe he had over 20. Um, so, and if you have Kawhi Leonard dropping 37 on 71%, uh, you're not going to lose to anybody in the East. Um, so, with that said, I like Toronto. We talked about it all year. I like Toronto from the start. Um, but you also mentioned the Celtics. I uh, would not be surprised if Brad Stevens is coaching that team. Uh, then they always have a shot. You just mentioned that. You know, the chemistry might not be there yet, and it might take more time 
Uh, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. You said Celtics, uh, but you know we didn't know how it was going to pan out, and we didn't know that Gordon Hayward wasn't going to return to all-star status like he had been in previous seasons, and that might be due to injury, and it might be due to you know fear of getting re-injured. Uh, I feel like Paul George went through that just a little bit when he had that injury. Um, there was a little bit of you know you have to get your confidence back on the That's court. That's not, not an easy to injury to recover no. from. Our expectations may have been higher than they should have been with Gordon Hayward. I I, I think I mean, that we saw what Paul George did. Right. I I think that he deserves a little more benefit of the doubt just I mean, because how hard that leeway. is. Right. Yeah. I mean that's only fair. Uh, I mean I think everyone kind of was. Had some, un, I mean, maybe Celtics fans, you know how Boston people are, uh, some unnecessary anger towards him or resentment for him not being as good. I'm like, hey, at the end of the day, you still got Gordon Hayward. Uh, even in, uh, a, a Gordon Hayward coming off injury is still as good as half of the other NBA players starting in that position. Right, and it's not like that team lacks talent. I think the bigger issue there is not necessarily Gordon Hayward, but – Where's the production of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and those guys? I mean, they looked yeah, so good last season in the postseason. Uh, that, I think, is the bigger issue with the Celtics is your young stars took some big steps in the postseason last year, but where is it this year? They were supposed to take another step and kind of plateaued a bit there. I think that's the bigger issue when you look at Golden State, when you look at Boston is that their young guys have not gone up to the next level like the, uh, many had anticipated. Before we get out of here today, Tom, time for our uh, Tom Fullery story of the week this week. And uh, you could kind of relate to this one. I know that uh, you like to do the uh, the uh, karaoke from time to time, and uh, this one is uh, taking that to a whole nother level. So, yeah, it's a little bit different than karaoke. It's close. She did karate. Oh, the, uh, duh, that's <laughs> I read that wrong, and that's a bit different. Hey, that's all right. I mean, maybe she was singing Kung Fu Fighting, so maybe that's close. Okay, maybe, maybe. Um, this comes from uh, Wisconsin, Jones. I feel like we haven't been to Wisconsin yet. I feel like this is a new state for us. Yeah. Um, the article reads, though, from they do, uh, on your In Wisconsin, they don't do uh, karate. They do karaoke. Yeah, they, yeah exactly. So woman does karate, son gets naked, dog steals cornbread at Walmart, police say. What a hell of an article title. Um, sounds like another day uh, in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Maybe that's, that sounds like it's a, sounds like a, maybe a copan. Um, Eclair, Wisconsin, this is where it's at. Lisa Smith, 46, and her 25-year-old son, Benny Van are under arrest after causing a scene at a Walmart this week, according to Wisconsin police. The Eclair Police Department even said their dog, Bo, was in on the action. Officers said the woman brought the dog into the store without a leash, and Bo was running freely around the store, which prompted other customers to call the police. Reportedly, Bo got a box of Jiffy Cornbread muffin mix and tried to leave the store. Of all things, he goes for the cornbread. Um, when officer, he didn't even go to the deli aisle, damn it. Uh, when officers responded, they said they arrived to find Smith tearing apart displays at the store 
and after they finally got her outside, she began doing karate moves in the parking lot. I wish there was a video. Meanwhile, Van allegedly stripped off all of his clothes inside the Walmart and exposed himself to the other customers. Officers were able to subdue and arrest Smith. However, she allegedly kicked out a patrol car window once she was in the back seat. Police said Van tried to cover himself up with clothes from the Walmart racks when officers arrived. Unfortunately for him, it's considered shoplifting if you don't pay for them. When officers approached him, Van allegedly attempted to run them over in a motorized scooter. However, they were able to stop the scooter and arrest him. Van has been charged with lewd behavior, disorderly contact, and retail theft. Smith is charged uh, also with disorderly, contact, disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, and misdemeanor bail jumping. Police didn't charge the dog Bo, though. He was let off with a warning. <laughs> that is wonderful. A uh, warning for the dog. Wisconsin. I, want, I didn't even say what kind of dog, though, but I'm thinking like a blue healer. I'm thinking that sounds about right. That or just a mutt. There's a uh, Facebook page, Tom, called People of Walmart. I don't feel like this is just another day at Walmart. This is this is next level. No, it is next level. Just because all of them, they weren't there. It wasn't like the son was trying to ration with the mom. He got naked. And, and naked. To be fair, yeah, to be fair, as, as much as I don't like to judge off of a mugshot because I don't know the backstory, uh, this lady looks like she's done some hard drugs in her life. And the son, honestly just looks like he needs to uh, shave a little bit and he would be good to go. Otherwise, I mean, he looks pretty normal uh, from the mug shop, but man, to get naked in the store after your mom's acting a fool, maybe he had a nervous breakdown. Uh, but the fact that the dog went and grabbed something off the shelf and then tried to dip out makes me think this isn't the first time this has happened. I, I feel like they got a game plan going on here, and the dog is in on it. We need some muffin mix. So I'm going yeah, – the lady's like, I'm going to tear apart some displays, and you're going to go get naked, and Bo will get us the cornbread we need for the ham and beans. Right. Bo's, Bo knows. Bo's going to get it done. He's going to go get that muffin mix, and we're going to have you know, some dog good cornbread. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, oh but my God. this to me, Tom, uh, th this is bizarre. This is uh, this is not. They're not naked, Tom. They are naked. This type of story. If you go out and you're having you doing this at the at the Wally World, you're 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 naked, and and getting the clothes, wearing the clothes without paying for them too, from the uh, WalMarts. I don't know if I know anybody that. Uh, actually buy his clothes from Walmart. They they may have, if they wouldn't have been stupid enough to actually, you know, strip down and everything, they probably could have just snuck off with those clothes in a bag and nobody would have noticed anyway. Maybe not. You know, I, I will say that I have a few shirts um, that I've gotten like, okay, I need to go, you know, just shirts to, like, work outside in or, like, to paint in or something. If I can get, like, a shirt for, like, five bucks that I don't care if I ruin, uh, then so be it. Um, oh, yeah. Be, like, Walmart clothing shirt. is for emergency purposes or short-term use only. That's what I'm, I mean, if you're in another city and you, like, need, like, oh, man, I got cold or, oh, it's hot and I brought only cold clothing, 
uh, then I have no problem, you know, going in. Um, or even if I see, you know, a shirt that I'm like, yeah, I could use this on, you know, going out and sweating out in the yard and working in the yard thing, I, I might throw it in the basket. Right. Uh, I'm not opposed to doing that. Yeah, you, you just, uh, you know, try to find those, uh, those short circumstances. You limit your circumstances when you would need to buy clothes from the Wally world and, and get that there. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, I mean, you, you want to limit those chances. You don't want to be buying clothing. Have you, have from, you ever bought a AU shirt from the uh, Lawrence Walmart? Uh, I have for someone else. That's fair. Was it Nolan? Uh, no, it wasn't, actually. Uh, no, you got a Marine shirt. That's right. Yeah. I, uh, we ran out of options. Nolan, all his Oklahoma State shirts are from Walmart. We ran out of options when he was leaving, and he was like, you know what? These will work. And I won't even lie. I think I have a, sh- uh, a cool Oklahoma State shirt. And, then, you know, they always say, well, uh, all, the OU, all the OU fans get their shirts at Walmart or whatever. You know, for a while, I was buying them from dealers for like $70 a pop. And I will say there was one mods that I found at Walmart that I thought, ah, you know what, I'll pay five bucks for this. You know where I'd like to go, Tom? If we're going to be on the cheap scale, this is, and you know me, I, I am frugal, but I, I do draw a line. I do not buy. I do not buy clothing from Walmart. That's where I draw a line. But what I do do, Tom, is I will look for deals, uh, in particular, like athletic clothing, as you mentioned, you know, from uh, KU stuff or whatever, at uh, at TJ Maxx. I'm all about the TJ Maxx. Oh, of course. I'm not even opposed to going to Ross either, or Goodwill. Ross, TJ Maxx. Goodwill, now, I'll I'll check. Uh, I've probably only bought stuff from Goodwill maybe like three times in my life. But I'm not opposed. I live, like, pretty close to Goodwill. I'm not opposed to just going over there and seeing if they have anything, uh, especially if I'm in the area, you know, just walking around. But, uh, I mean, TJ Maxx is is where it's at. Ross, uh, I have – now, here's a – this might be a little TMI for the folks out there. But I have size 14 feet, uh, very large feet for, you know, my – my size compared to most people it is hard to find size 14 shoes. And every once in a while, Ross has some decent looking Nikes or Adidas that are my size and for a pretty good cost. So that's what I look for. If I go to Ross is, uh, let's see if they, uh, if I can get me some new, uh, new, uh, Nikes or Adidas, uh, at the Ross, uh, it'd save me an online order and actually get to try the shoes that way. No, you can find some great shoes there and, uh, they do have a, a very large variety of shoes that are in your size, or even larger. I think the biggest size shoe that I ever saw in Ross was like a size 17. I thought, I just walked past the shoes and I was like, well, that'll maybe fit uh, two-thirds of my foot. <laughs> Scale them back, it looked like you know an NBA player left his shoes in there. How much more um, money but, do you oh. think Shaq would have made if... He uh, would have had – I know that he was trying to do a good thing, making his Shaq shoes affordable and everything, you know, having them in Walmart and all that. But with as big of a name and big of a brand as Shaq is, wouldn't he have been so much better off if he would have done a real shoe deal with Nike or something like that and had, you know, an $80 shoe? Because, uh, I mean, no one ever really bought into buying his low-brand shoe at the Walmart. No, of course not, but – 
I mean, I'm glad that he did that for, you know, the kids that needed shoes. That was cool of him. That would never happen in today's world. I mean, they're already talking about shoe deals for Zion Williamson. Um, that, I don't know, maybe speaks to the person that Shaq actually is. Um, I mean, I feel like he's one of the good ones. Uh, you know, he likes to roast and have a good time and make jokes, but I, I feel like Shaq's one of the good ones. I feel like the next thing, Tom, if somebody wanted to have an affordable shoe, uh, it's going to be like Target. I don't think anyone is going to do a shoe quality for Walmart. No, of course not. I mean, even if you want to go lower brand or more affordable, I mean, Kawhi's uh, did New Balance. You might That's find cool. a big baller brand at Walmart sometime soon. Yeah, I mean, you really might, considering that uh, the sun just, since Lonzo just left. Uh, that was that was a fun time, was it not? Lavar Ball, big balls. Like there were like shirts for fifty bucks. Like get the hell out of here. I, I'm actually I mean, it was, that wasn't it wasn't even a cool logo. It was just three B's in a row. I'm actually sad it's over, to be honest. I am not. I can't stand Lavar, but it was laughable if you went out to the bar and you saw somebody wearing a BBB shirt. You're like, that dude is a prick. Oh, pretty much, yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, he paid this much for this T-shirt. I mean, It was the easiest why? way to, to spot out a douchebag from a mile away. Pretty much. It's just like, yeah, big baller brand fan walks into the bar. And, yeah, it's one of those, like, CrossFit. Like, that's, that's what I'm going to miss is that effect, Tom, that we're going to lose out on that is seeing those type of people that look ridiculous. I'm going to miss the ridiculousness of it, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, for the entertainment value, for sure. I mean, at first, the first season, LeVar was all tomfoolery on us, and then he kind of just slipped away. So I don't know if someone kind of paid him off to shut up, or they just told him, hey, if you don't shut up, you're going to be exiled from the Staples Center. I'm convinced the uh, Lakers have paid him to shut up since LeBron came to town. I think they did. That or just maybe it was part of LeBron coming that said, okay, LeBron gets the spotlight now and we're not going to give it to you for your antics. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. That had to be the case. There was no other way that LeVar still wouldn't be running his mouth uh, if a deal didn't get done somewhere. I got one more uh, one more for you as far as big baller brand and buying big baller brand. I'm not going to dox this person, but I will say somebody that is a friend of the show that uh, has been on here before a couple times. Uh, they uh, in the middle of the night they they were they were drinking late, and uh, this was uh, like before Lonzo's rookie year, or just as he was getting started. And they ordered Alonzo Lakers jersey off of some China site for like 20 bucks. And when he woke up the next morning, it's a he now. We know that much. Uh, when he woke up the next morning, immediately canceled the order and said, what on earth am I doing uh, for uh, for trying to follow through with that? That is, uh, is the extent of uh, where that goes. It's pretty good, isn't it, Tom? No, it is. It is really good, actually. I mean, maybe I, uh, maybe that's why that there's a decent number of people that do wear big baller brand. They're all drunk purchases. That or for the troll factor. I mean, I wouldn't. That be makes opposed. sense. I mean, like 
like, you know, people got the LeBron jersey. I mean, I feel like nowadays, um, you know, people our age have, they'll go, even if they're not a fan of the team, if it's a big name, they'll get the jersey. You see a lot of people with the old school Raptors Vince Carter jersey or the John Stockton um, jazz jersey which I think those are really awesome. All the retro jerseys you see people having that they wear to like pool parties or you see a lot of fraternity, sorority people wearing them at college parties. Um, so for that factor, if you just want a name that kind of everybody recognizes, not that you're a fan of them, but just to have a jersey for, I don't know, circumstantial purposes, I'm completely fine with it. I mean, I ordered... A Tony Parker jersey, no longer plays for the Spurs. I ordered Manny Ginobili this season. Another Ginobili one, a white one instead of a black one that I already had. Uh, I ordered a DeRozan. I ordered a DeJounte Murray. So I have a lot of the Spurs. And then I also ordered a Donovan Mitchell purple Utah Jazz jersey that I'll wear from time to time just to freshen things up. Uh, Not only because I like Donovan Mitchell, but because it looks cool. Um, so, and from the China site, if you can get them for $22 a pop, that includes shipping, uh, you can't beat that. And they're, I can't figure out where they're fake. Um, they feel real. They have the Nike symbol on them. Um, I will tell you that I am a hundred percent guilty of ordering fakes from China and I have no regrets. (laughs) Yeah. Usually they're a little bit smaller, but that's about it. Um, I just ordered a size bigger. Yeah. They, They, they tell you that too. Just order up a bit, and uh, you should be good there. Got to get out of here, Tom. Uh, big thanks to Terrence Temple for joining us today. And uh, as uh, always, you can uh, follow us on uh, social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group, Instagram at Tyler Jones Live, at Insta Thomas and uh, Jones underscore report. You can find us there. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, we will see you right back here next week here on the Jones Report. And, Tom, now I can uh, take off this suit and khakis and uh, I will head to bed. And a big thanks to you. breathe? Right? I can breathe. I survived. I survived the show. And hopefully you did too. Uh, Thanks for listening, folks, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. So long, everybody. The Jones Report. F*** yeah.